You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie and how. About them dogs for the first time since 2011-2012 a college football program has won back-to-back national titles and oh how sweet it is that it is our beloved Georgia Bulldogs that have pulled it off emphatically with by far the most lopsided victory in, in the history of the BCS, the history of the college playoff, as far as I can go back and find scores of like actual national and championship games, this is by far the most lopsided victory of them all. There are some other lopsided victories. You know, 1995, uh, Nebraska beat Florida 62-24. USC in, in 04 beat the crap out of Oklahoma 55-19. But nobody put up 65 points in route to a 65 to 7, a 58 point victory in the national championship game. You guys know the drill. I'm your host, Tyler, and damn, it is great to be a Georgia Bulldog. Look, I, I know we're about, well, when I'm recording this right now, about 20 hours removed from the game. So I get it. Calling this an instant reaction episode, that's not like 100% accurate, but. This is as instant as I could make it today. Um, so I got here and just sat down and recorded as quickly as I possibly could. Um, but this is not going to be a traditional recap episode, guys. Um, I don't really have a ton of notes. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here today. Um, I'm not going to dive into the X's and O's and break down the game from like this crazy technical standpoint that I usually do on our recap episodes. At least I try to do that. Because, I mean, what's the point in that? It was 65 to 7. Like, how much do we need to rehash in terms of, like, how the game played out? Like, we took their souls in the story, right? I mean, it's that simple. More so today, what I want to do is kind of just flow with what's on my mind. And I kind of just talk more big picture, kind of a stream of conscious here. Um, really, that's kind of what I'm going for. I, I guess I, I will start with a few brief thoughts on on how the game played out and, and why we dominated in the fashion that we did. I mean, look, let's just make this, this short and sweet. Max Duggan, I told you guys last week um, on the recap episode, I guess we posted it Sunday night, Monday, you might listen to it yesterday, but um, Max Duggan, really good player, um, deserved to be at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, so much respect for that guy, but 
when it comes to like being a pure passer, the guy is very erratic with his accuracy. He's good off play action, throws a good vertical shot, throws that deep ball out there, gives his receivers a chance. They made they made a, most of their living this year throwing vertical shots and breaking big plays in the screen game. He's not like a, a generally accurate passer when he has to like drop back and throw the ball a bunch. That's not what he does. That's not really what they want to do as an offense. When I saw, like for a fact, that Kendra Miller, I didn't think he was going to play the lead up the game. It sounded like on Monday afternoon coming in, like he, even he says, like it doesn't look good. I didn't think he was going to play. When I saw for sure he was in there, he was there just in street clothes with a jersey on and he was not going to play. I felt really good about it. I mean, I already felt really good about our chances, which you could probably tell if you listen to the, re- the preview episode. But uh, DeMarcado De is a good back, his backup, but he's not Kendra Miller. And really, it was just those two guys and running backs. So he, Anyone behind DiMarcado is just basically playing really, I want to say for the first time, but like first really meaningful snaps in the national championship game. So I felt like if we were able to stop the run, which I felt like we've done all year long, we we're the best rush defense in the country, and we were able to force them to be a drop back passing and beat us with a pass, there was no way that they were going to be able to do that. And that proved to be the case because they, they did have multiple receivers open. Like early in the game, that first drive, I'm still convinced, I think it was his very first throw, uh, or maybe it was, not only think it was the first throw, I don't know, but it was in the first drive. I think it was actually the third down pass. He had Savion Williams. Duggan had Williams open. Um, I don't know if it would have been a touchdown, but I think it would have been a big play. He could have hit him. He just, he missed him. Um, he missed a couple other throws early in the first half that could have extended drives and uh, that forced them to punt. Obviously that the one with the one blown coverage that set up their first and only score of the game that brought it to a one score game, a three point game at 10, seven. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was sitting there and I was kind of freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, we did the one thing I said we could not do. Cause what did I say on the preview episode, guys? Like those of you listening, you heard me. What, like one of my, like my last key to the game was don't be dumb. Don't do stupid things. That was case in point. So I'm sitting there pulling what little hair I have left in my head, trying to pull it out, digging in there, finding those follicles wherever I can, trying to pull them out because I'm like, dear God, this is what we cannot do. This is what Michigan did. I told you guys, we can't do what Michigan did. We will destroy them if we don't do what Michigan did. And there we were, at least early in the game, making a, a critical mistake. At least I thought it might be critical at the time. We were trying to change. They changed the play. We were trying to change our defensive play at the at the snap. And clearly, there was a miscommunication there. We had two guys on the on the slot receiver. Guy runs down the field wide open. And they, they capitalize on it. And that was falling right after we settled for a field goal on our second drive. And so I'm like, back-to-back things. So I'm like, all right. This sucks. We got to score touchdowns in the red zone. Didn't do that. Missed an opportunity there. Blow this assignment. Now, we, were, we had a chance to, to blow this game wide open from the get-go, and now it's 10-7. But going back to what I was saying, through a combination of, of Duggan just kind of missing uh, a, a couple open receivers and not being able to extend drives and force them to punt, that combination uh, along with sacks and, and turnovers, a couple of interceptions there, a fumble, that kept their offense entirely out of rhythm. They could not keep drives going. They had to punt, and we responded when they punted every single time with a score. I guess it was punts and turnovers, but four consecutive scores to end the first half. And for me, I thought the game was over. There were a couple points where it's like, okay, I think that I'm pretty confident we're, we're going to win this game. But to me, when we went on that drive, not the last drive before half, but the one before that, that put us up 31-7. It was 11 plays, 66-yard drive to a five minutes and 15 seconds off the clock. That was the drive going 31-7, going 24 points. There's like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that TCU is going to be able to come back on this defense, the way that we're moving the ball on them offensively. There's no way they're going to win the game. This game is over, and now it's just a party. That That's all it was. But I mean, that was the, that was the 
big drive. I mean, obviously, we were in complete control of the game, but if you remember that drive, so we throw a short, short little pass to Arian for a first down, third one. Uh, then we get the holding call on Darnell, which, you know, I mean, questionable-ish, I guess, by the letter of the law, it's holding. And then it's like, okay, we're backed up. You know, okay, we're fine. And then on third, it's, it's third and 15, and Stetson drills one into Brock for 24 yards, just that first down um, inside TC, deep in TCU territory. And then Kendall closes out first and goal from the one with that one-yard touchdown round. Boom, we're up 31-7. Then we get another interception, 38-7. And then it's just like, it's just gravy from there, right? That's when I felt it was over. But TCU, they just... They couldn't extend drives. They turned the ball over, couldn't protect the ball, and they could not stop. It's like that's a that's a pretty tough combination, right? Like you're not going to win games when when you do that. From a game plan standpoint, at least offensively, uh, it was very clear that we were trying to attack the middle of the field, which you know we talked about in the previous episode. That just made all the sense in the world. They are very good at cornerback. We didn't have a ton of success out wide. AD had one catch, he had that one touchdown. Um, I think it was his only catch of the game, if I remember correctly. Let me like double check that here real quick. AD, yeah, AD only had that one catch for 22 yards, that one touchdown. Um, Lad, Brock, those were those are the horses, man. Like they've been all year long fitting into this this season story, right? Brock seven for 152, five for 88 for Lad, two touchdowns. Lad one for Brock. We just controlled the middle of the field, which is I I felt like that's where we had the matchup advantage. We were able to attack their safeties, attack their linebackers in coverage. Um, we were layering passes. We running past them. Todd Munkin dialed up some gorgeous plays and we were aggressive from the jump, which is what I felt like we needed to do. I did not want to have this conservative game plan. You know, we talked to, I, I said on the, on the, on the preview, Kirby's talked a lot all season about being the hunters and not being hunted, right? Well, I felt like it was time and we've done it most of the year, but this is a game where we had to walk that walk. It's, it's nice to say it, but you got to actually do it. And we did it. Like we were hunting out there. We were head hunting out there. So, you know, that's just a quick little, you know, overview of my thoughts on like the X's and O's, the, the technical standpoint to it. Obviously there's a lot more we can dive into. I'm gonna go back and rewatch. I haven't had a chance. I've started a little bit. I haven't had a chance to fully dive into that, but any questions you've got for our mailbag, we'll be running that one of those later this week. I'll be happy to dive into any more technical X and O type questions that you want us to get into, but I didn't want to completely ignore that because that's kind of what we like to do in this podcast. But today I do want to talk about some different things. Like I, again, I just want to kind of give you what's what's on my mind because to me, this game wasn't about X's and O's. I mean, sure, every game to a degree is, but this game was more about talent, right? It's about talent. It was about culture. On the previous episode, I told you the reason I was so confident. I mean, you guys know in the lead up to the to the Peach Bowl, I was nervous. Like I, I was very nervous about Ohio State. I felt like we were going to win. I felt like we were the better team, but I told you in that lead up, it was very small margins, very small margins. The margins were not nearly as small. In fact, the margins were significant in this game, as we told you last week or on the preview episode. Georgia, 68 four and five-star players on our roster. TCU, 17. The only way that we were going to lose this game was if we pulled a Michigan, if we played like a D-level game. And, that, and that's how I felt. I, you know, my, my final synopsis and my prediction for the game was this game was about us. It was not about TCU. If we came out and played our A game, there was no way TCU was going to win because the talent gap was that significant. You know, sometimes the talent gap's that big. If you have like generational talents at key positions like quarterback, receiver, pass rush, or that kind of thing, then you can somewhat compensate for that. But as good as Duggan is, as good as Quentin Johnson is, those guys are not generational players. They're really, really, really good college players, not generational type talent. So in the absence of that, you know, the only way that you're going to be able to win a game against a team that's so much more talented than they are 
is for us to give it to them, which is exactly what happened with Michigan. Michigan should have won that game by 20 points, guys, but they didn't because they played like a D-level game. So I felt like if we played our A game, there's no path to victory for TCU. So the question was, which Georgia team would we see? Well, we figured that one out pretty quick, right? We saw, what I mean, is it a stretch to call that the best single game performance of the entire Kirby Smart era? It's crazy, like the bookends, right? So I think the two best performances of the year were week one against Oregon, and then this game. Bookending the season like that is just insane. Starting it off with a bang and closing it out with a bang. But I think this was an even more dominant performance. And final score-wise, yes, it was. But also, like you could at least you know talk about with the Oregon game. It was the first game. Dan Lanning's first game as a head coach. First game calling plays uh, for Kenny Dillingham. Bo Nix, first game with a new team. So there was like there's some mitigating factors there, right? Not the case here. I mean, this team was riding high. The Cinderella story, team of destiny coming off that win over Michigan, which no one thought that they would be able to pull off. And um, we just stomped on their face with a hobnail boo, baby. We just broke their nose. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I truly believe it. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm sure somebody can DM me or tell me what I'm missing here. But I mean, tell me what I'm missing here, guys. It's, is this not the best single game performance of the Kirby Smart era? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And so, in the process of winning this game in blowout style and in, in that kind of fashion, I think what we saw was. This team, or Georgia, transitioned from a championship team to a championship program. You know, I think that we're going to look back in a couple of years. I don't know when. At some point, we'll look back on on these years. Last year, this year. And I think that we're going to say the dynasty started last year. Guys, I do believe. I believe that we are in the midst of a dog dynasty. I know it seems somewhat premature to say that when we're only, only two national championships in, but Look, it's like Kirby said last year, guys, after the national championship, Georgia's not going anywhere. 
This program is built to sustain. We are not going anywhere. I am humble enough, and I understand. I've watched enough football to know that we're not going to win every game. Like We will lose a game. I don't like thinking about that. I don't think about it right now because we don't need to do that. But we'll lose a game. We're not going to win every national championship from here to eternity. It's not going to happen. But we aren't going anywhere. We're going to be in contention every single year, especially when the playoff expands to 12. Like We're not going to be in a 12-team playoff like essentially every year. Like Come on. The way that Kirby has built this program, 100%. But this was the season, guys. Again, this was the season where last year, the first national title in 41 years, that became more than just this this season for the ages, like an isolated case, this, this glorious year that we've all been waiting for, like a year of a lifetime, right? It became more than just that. And that became, now we can look back and say that became the start of a dynasty that's only going to continue on into the future. It is a dog dynasty. I think we have now established ourselves as a standard. David Pollock said as much, I don't know, was it at halftime? I don't know. I, I saw the clip after the game. I, I don't know. I wasn't watching that, but I, I think, uh, no, Nick Saban was there at the at the table with him, right? And I forget exactly what Pollock said, what Davey said, but something along the lines of like, George has taken over college football. And to see Nick Saban's face when he said that, you guys saw it, right? And it's just like, Dude, he just said it like it's like David didn't even realize what he was saying, and then Nick, you know, didn't didn't seem to like that too much. He kind of kept his composure a little bit there. But Dave, Davey's not wrong. Like we have taken over college football. Alabama is still a fantastic program. They're not going anywhere either. But we are now the standard. You know, you can win a one-off, right? Like LSU won the one-off in 2019, but they they were never the standard. Like it was just an, an incredible generational team, like an unbelievable team, and we could have been that. But no, with what we did. Last night, that became, instead of being one isolated season for the ages, it's now the start of a dynasty, and we are the standard. You do it like that two years in a row, and you go 29-1 and over a two-year span. You go undefeated 15-0. and You are now the standard. Back-to-back national titles. But, guys, this team did it in, in a different way. I mean, you know the story. I don't want to rehash all of it. We lost 15 players. 15 players in the NFL draft, what, five in the first round, all those first rounders, impact players. Because sometimes guys they draft in the first round, like their college production didn't really match what they did, uh, where they're going to get drafted. Like Will Levis, if Will Levis gets drafted in the first round, that dude's college production never matched that, right? Well, the guys that we lost in the first round, that wasn't the case. Those were all impact dudes for us. And I've said it, I mean, I don't know, man, so many times this season. I don't know how many times, a lot of times. I say a lot of things throughout the course of a college ball season, doing four episodes a week on this thing. But this team, this 2022 Georgia team, was in no way as talented as last year's team. I, I, I've said that all year, and I will stand by that. You know, let me just run through a couple things. Like, okay, defensive line, yeah, Jalen Carter, incredible. I think he probably is the best player coming out in the draft this year. We go number one, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But we only had one first-rounder on our defensive line this year. Maybe, I guess you can say two if Michael Williams grows into that. I think he has the potential. But, like, not nah, Stackhouse, really good player. It's not going to be a first-round pick. Warren Brinson's not going to be a first-round pick. Zion Logue's not going to be a first-round pick. Jamal Walthour's not going to be a first-round pick. Bear Alexander, maybe. But, like, like his playing time was minimal. You know, it, it wasn't he wasn't a major factor all year long, especially once Jalen came back. So, like, one surefire first-rounder. We had three or four last year on the defensive line. We had two really good linebackers, but brand-new inside linebackers. 
You got a true freshman playing at safety from the jump pretty much. Not close to as deep across the board. We weren't rotating bodies nearly as much. And like when we did rotate, there was a, more of a drop-off. You lose Nolan Smith halfway through the year. And Chas Chem has got better and better all year long. And tip of the cap to him and Darnell and all those guys who are banged up, gutting it out like that. But I mean, it wasn't Nolan Smith, right? Like We, we didn't have that kind of quality depth. Our starting receiver, uh, A.D. Mitchell, the guy who was our best receiver coming of the year, goes out the first drive of, of week two and doesn't really come back and, until the postseason. So, no, this team was in no way as talented as last year's team up and down the roster. It was a far from perfect team. But you know what? This team was better than everyone else this year. And that's all you got to be. Every year is its own entity. It's all relative. And it doesn't matter. Who cares if we weren't as good or weren't as talented as we were last year? You know, actually, from a productivity standpoint, like the numbers, now defensively, we, we weren't as dominant. Offensively, you know, I, I predicted in the preseason that this would be the best offense in Georgia history. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But I think, you know, I would argue, yeah, that kind of, that, that played out, right? Defensively, we weren't as dominant. We were still really, really good. We, last year, we were head and shoulders above everyone else. Like we were clearly the best defense in the country. It just, there's no question there. This year, um, I don't know if we were the best defense. We were one of the best. We were the best rushing defense. We were the best scoring defense for a while. We, did, we were the best red zone defense. We t- kept teams from scoring, but teams were able to move the ball with more success on this defense than, than we saw really at all last year. I guess Bama was the only team really that was able to do with any kind of success in the SEC championship game and some of the national title last year, but I don't care. I don't want to do the comparison. You know, like I, I know I just did that, but like let's let's just appreciate this team. And here's what I want to say for this team. Even if they weren't as talented, who cares? They won the national title. These players were built the right way. They were made of the right stuff. Okay? This team, these players built the right way, made of the right stuff. I feel like I've said that all year long. This team faced far more adversity than the 2021 team did. I mean, we had answers every single time. And guys, I will. I, I still vividly remember sitting there in Columbia, Missouri, in, in that stadium, and I had about given up. I had about given up. You know, we let's not forget we were down ten a minute into the fourth quarter. We took the lead, four minutes to go in the game in the fourth quarter. I was sitting there most of that game, especially you know late in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, just trying to figure out, doing the calculus in my head, how are we still going to find our way in the cultural playoff? We're going to lose this game, so how do we still find a way? What has to happen? Like, What is what is our path to get back in the cultural playoff when we lose this game? I'd about given up, man. But hey, our guys dug deep. They're made of the right stuff. They're built the right way. Kirby was talking you know, in, in his press conference today about how Darnell in that game was had his shoulder pop out. And he refused to come out. And he made two critical catches late in that game with a shoulder that was a bum shoulder. And you would have never known because these dudes were built the right way. They're made of the right stuff. And that's a testament to those players, to those guys. I think it's also a testament to Kirby Smart and our program and the culture that we have built. That does not happen by accident. The players come in. They've bought in. I want to give a lot of credit to the older players who didn't win a national title. I hate it, man. I hate it that Nick and Sony and Monty Rice and Javon Wims and Jake Fromm and all these guys. Uh, I, I hate it that Roquan Smith, Lamont Gilliard, I hate it that those guys that... Reggie Carter, that Jonathan Ledbetter, I hate it that those guys didn't actually win a national title because they are a huge part of how we were able to go back to back. They set the standard. They bought in. They didn't have to. Remember, it was rough, guys, in that first year, Kirby trying to set his culture, and it was rough going, man. But those guys, a lot of Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, 
All those guys, you know, Nick, Sony, Davin, Lorenzo, they tried out there, right? And they announced they're coming back. That was huge. That was huge for our program. Those things, those guys, what they did, the blood, sweat, tears they put into our program, they are a huge part of why we are here right now. And I and I know that our players recognize that. And I hope they appreciate that. I hope our fan base appreciates that. So, I mean, I know that they didn't technically win a national title. All those guys I mentioned, but dear God, man, I, I hope that they're feeling it because they they earn this too. It's not just about these guys in the locker room this year. It's about all those guys that built this. And I want to make sure that we, that we point that out. I think that's really important. But back to what I was saying again, I don't know where I am, man. Like I'm all over the place here. I know. I apologize, guys. I just want to get on here and give you my instant thoughts here. But uh, yeah, back to what I was saying, you know, this team had, did face a lot of adversity. Missouri mentioned that. Kentucky wasn't pretty. I and mean, that was kind of a game. Late in the game, you know, adverse weather conditions. And then, you know, last week in the Peach Bowl, we were in for the freaking fight of our lives, guys. And that team showed guts and more guts and more guts. So much resilience. They were at their best in the biggest moments. Everyone, you know, everyone, their brother was picking against us except for the Sharps, I guess, you know, going into Tennessee. We how is Georgia possibly going to beat Tennessee? And what do we do? We came out throwing haymakers, baby. We said, watch us, watch us. And we just put it to them. This is how you play football. This is how you play Georgia football. The physicality we play with, it's just different. Our team is different. Our program is different, guys. And that's why we are the standard. As long as Kirby Smart is here, again, we're not going to win every national title. It just doesn't work that way, right? But we are always going to be right there. And I have zero doubts about that. We are not going anywhere. And I know that um, I'm cutting this one short today, guys. I don't know if you can hear it. I can feel it. My voice is... um, it's falling apart here. Uh, I don't have much left, so I apologize. I know I, I hate to only give you a short amount of time here today, but I've given you as much as I possibly physically can right now. It is, uh, I'm trying to do the lemon water thing here, drink some tea, and then we're trying. But uh, I think I can finish this out real quick. You know, I, I was asked, you know, one of my buddies today asked me, how does, you know, man, how, like for you, how does this one, how does this win compare to last year? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so different though, right? Like last year had the urgency. We had that sense of urgency. It really, was, it was a sense of desperation for me. I, I'm, I'm man enough to admit that. Like I was desperate. Like, you know, we've come so close so many times, especially after 2017. And it's like, dear God, when are we going to do this? Like, are we ever going to get over them? I go back to, you know, 2002. I remember Terrence Edwards dropping that pass, man. And God bless Terrence. It's not on him. The only thousand receiver in Georgia history. That's just one play kind of sticks out in my mind, you know, in 20s and 2007, I think we're the best team in the country. There's college playoff that year. We win the national title. I truly believe that. 2005, DJ gets hurt, you know, and then we all know what happened in the SEC championship game in 2012, 2017. It just, God, you know, second and 26, it all kind of fell right through our fingers there. We had Bama in 2018 in the SEC championship game. We blew that game. And, you know, like, so there was like this sense of urgency and desperation. Like, we've, it's got to happen. So obviously, I, it was the season of a lifetime last year because we hadn't done it right, um, but th- like through the process, like I you know I was having some serious heart palpitations, man. Like I you know I, it was touch and go for me because I and I won this one too. I trust me, I won this one so bad. I wanted all of them, but the you know I I probably wanted last year's more. Does that make sense? I, I hope that makes sense, to everybody out there. Like I wanted that one more because we hadn't had one in forty years, forty one years, my entire lifetime, guys, my entire lifetime, we hadn't had one. So that made that one a little bit different, but this year, I, 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 did I enjoy it more? I don't know. Like it, maybe I was more in the moment this year because it was just pure, pure and utter joy for me this year. 
uh, sorry, voice again. Um, but it was just like, I, I, there was urgency. Like, again, in the Missouri game, like, there was a sense of urgency. Like, hey, get it together. We got to win this game. We can't lose this game. We can't lose a team like this. And it's going to cost you a playoff. But it wasn't the same kind of urgency and desperation because we had already, you know, gotten that monkey off our back. This year, I feel like maybe I was just able to enjoy the ride more. Not, trust me, guys, I enjoyed it profusely last year. I mean, it's just, that was the season we've all been waiting for our entire lives, right? Like, it was. But it was just a different kind of journey this year. And I think it was more of just like pure, unadulterated joy all year long. And like, I'll never get rid of the sense of urgency and the desperation because I want us to win so badly and I'm so deeply invested and I care so much. It's so important to me. Like, there's always gonna be that urgency and desperation, but never to the level that it was last year. So if I had to kind of compare the two, that's kind of how I would go about it. But hell, man, like both these seasons, I, I still, I'm, I'm still kind of in, in shock. It's still surreal that we just went back to back, especially with all that we lost and every everything that we heard. All you know, all the the preseason talk, you know. And Kirby, you know, he got ripped by, by a couple of people today. I guess I saw that. You know, him talking about how we were doubted all year. People were like, oh yeah, sure, you were doubted. You were number one twelve weeks in a row, and it's you're the defending national title or national champion. It's like, well, actually, we kind of were. Think about all the people doubting our defense. Well, Georgia took a big step back on defense this year, and we weren't unanimous number one. We weren't number one in the preseason, right? So there was there's some doubt. Out there. Like, just because people aren't doubting you, to like, oh, you're you're not gonna make a bowl, doesn't mean you haven't been doubted. Like, there was serious doubt. I mean, think about all the people that were picking against us in the Tennessee week, right? Think about all the people that were picking Ohio State. You know, Georgia secondary got torched by LSU. How can they? How can they stop C.J. Stroud in that in that dynamic passing attack, right? There there was doubt at different points throughout the season. Again, there's a difference between saying, oh yeah, like we didn't believe Georgia was gonna be any good, and sitting there saying with a straight face that you thought Georgia would win the national title all off season. There was doubt there, especially we heard all the, we heard all the narratives. Georgia lost all these players. How can you possibly replace these people? Even at the national title last year, all the haters out there for Stetson, and there was doubt. So I, I you know, people can rip with all they want. That's fine. That's what people in the media do. But, but I still think it's pretty clear that there was some doubt at various points that this team could go back to back after what we lost from last year's team. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. And real quick here before my voice completely leaves me, I think I got a, a little bit left in me here today. You know, I, I've heard a couple people, read a couple people talk about how last night's game was like a travesty for college football. Like it was a terrible game. And if you're a Georgia fan, you loved it. The rest of college football lost last night. And I know that's not directly related to Georgia. And that's not a shot at us. I understand they're basically complimenting us and saying how great and dominant we were, which clearly we were. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you with a straight face that I saw that coming. I didn't see 65 to 7 coming. 
But I think anyone who actually watches college football understood that TCU, if you're looking at those four teams that made the college football playoff, understood that TCU was the fourth best team out of the four in the semifinals. And I understand they beat Michigan. I get that. I'm not saying they weren't deserving. Based off what they did this season, they absolutely deserve to be in the college football playoff. But they were also the fourth best of those teams. And they should have been number four in the rankings. And I know people are going to kill me for that. I know people I've talked to have already said, hey, you're crazy. How can you say they're the fourth best team when they beat Michigan? Well, guys, South Carolina beat Tennessee this year. Does anyone really think South Carolina was a better team than Tennessee this season? They weren't. The best team doesn't always win football games. The goal is to be the best team on that given day. And against South Carolina, Tennessee was not the better team. Against Michigan, TCU was the better team. But if you look at their profile, they were not better than Michigan. Again, it's what I was talking about last week. Yes, they beat Michigan by six points. Michigan gave them 20 points. Now, you can say like giving teams points, that means you're not very good. Like you make mistakes. That's, that's There's truth to that. But Michigan played uncharacteristically poor in that game. And if you would have matched up Ohio State and Michigan in the semifinals, which I believe is how it should have gone down. I think Georgia should have been number one, Michigan two, Ohio State was three, should have been three, and TCU four. I told you guys that was my position when we did the instant reaction episode to the college football playoff rankings, those final rankings when they announced the, the final four. I understood why TCU got the nod over Ohio State because they went with most deserving as opposed to best. But this is what happens when you lean too much on most deserving. I understand that there has to be a happy medium and it has to be a combination of the two, most deserving and best. But this is why I always lean towards best. Because number one, if you go most deserving, what ends up happening is you end up punishing the number one seed. So we got punished by having to, now we won the game, so it's all fair and love and war, who cares? But we got punished by having to play Ohio State in the semifinals because they were clearly better than TCU. But because the committee and the infinite wisdom felt that TCU was more deserving, we have to be fair to TCU, the number one seed got screwed. And we had to play a much better football team. And so it's, it's just weird, like in, in the process of trying to be fair to the number three seed, to be fair to TCU, who thinks more deserving, you screw the number one seed, who's the, who's the team that truly deserved your consideration and fairness and should get the most consideration when it comes to that. And if we had seen Georgia TCU in the semifinals, yeah, it would have been another boring semifinal game, but that's kind of how semifinal games have typically gone. Now, we got two fantastic semifinal games this year, which is like the first time in college playoff history we've actually gotten two awesome games like that in the semifinals. But then you get this complete and utter dud of a national championship game, which don't get me wrong, I will take all day long because I was just sitting there basking in the glory. But that this is what happens. Like if you want to complain about the game, understand that this is a committee problem. Okay. Now sure you can go and you can say, well, it's also pair there's not enough parody in college football. It's it's haves and have nots and all that. Sure, whatever. I'm not really going to argue that point because there's a lot of truth to that. But if the committee had truly looked at those four teams, if you get if you get it down to Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State, and you say, okay, these are the, we think these are the four combination of most deserving and best teams. They're going to be our final four, right? Statistically, and from a game control standpoint, throughout the totality of a 12-game regular season, I guess if you want to throw the 13th game in there for the Big 12 title game, TCU was just not even close to the other three teams in the playoffs. They weren't close. And again, this doesn't mean they can't win because we saw them beat Michigan. Anything can happen on a crazy day. But in terms of their statistical profile, they were clearly the fourth best team. We should have beaten up on them in the semifinals and then had Ohio State, who I do think is better than Michigan. I know people are going to disagree with me again there because Michigan beat Ohio State. 
in Columbus. I still maintain that you know on that day, Michigan was the better team. On that day, I think Ohio State was the better football team throughout the year. I think if they played, you know, as I've said many times the past couple weeks, we played 10 games. I think Ohio State probably won six or seven. That's not how football works, but I, I think that's kind of how that would have played out. And then we would have played, you know, maybe Ohio State, maybe Michigan, but one of those two teams, and it would have been a much better football game in the actual national championship. But that's on the committee, and this is part of what you get when you have a committee ranking these teams. There is a human element, and there is there is user error when it comes to this at times. And I know a lot of us said it immediately following the Peach Bowl. That was the national championship. I didn't say it on this podcast because you guys know me. I, I got some superstitions. I didn't want to jinx us. I didn't want to put those vibes out there in the universe. But I can promise you I walked out of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you know, what, 10 days ago now, thinking exactly that. Like We just watched the national championship between the two best teams in the country. It made for a fantastic Peach Bowl, but it's also kind of a shame those two teams, Georgia and Ohio State, couldn't have faced off in the actual national championship. And I'll leave you with this today, guys. Live this up. Soak up every moment. Enjoy every single moment. Enjoy the next 365 days. You are national champions. We are national champions. I love this team so much. Uh, Again, go back to what I said earlier. They were not as talented as last year's team, but... I just love the makeup of this team. I love the chip they played with. I love how they put it on the line for each other. I love how guys were playing banged up all year long. I love how a guy like Nolan Smith, I mean, this this dude was voted as a captain. He got the most votes of anybody to be the captain for the national championship game. And this dude hasn't played since late October. I love the fact that he could have gone off and started training for the NFL draft and he stuck around with his team to be there for them. I love the fact that all these guys that are going to transfer, we're going to have some guys, you know, we're going to have probably double-digit guys into the transfer portal here over the next week or so. But I love the fact that all those guys stuck around for the national championship to make this run, to be a part of this, to do their job, even though they might not be on the field, to do what they're asked to do, to fill their role. I love that we got a guy like C.J. Allen, you know, hearing Kirby talk about it, just gushing about him, how he took on a role as a guy who's an early enrollee who got to campus in December for bowl practices, and he goes out there and he plays the role of D-winners, and according to Kirby, just gave our offense one hell of a look on the scout team. This dude just got to campus. I love the fact that a guy like Gunnar Stockton, as a freshman quarterback who's been running the scout team all year, and I've heard rave reviews about him running the scout team this year. I love the fact that he went up to Kirby and asked Kirby to take off his black non-contact, don't hit me jersey, for the lead up for prep to this game so that we could really give the defense a true look at what Max Duggan was like. I love that. I love this team. I love these guys. And I truly don't want to take anything away from this team and what they've been able to accomplish because it is truly remarkable. But saying all that, I just got to put this out there, guys. Talking about Dog Dynasty is the best yet to come. I mean, think about it. I actually think that we're going to be better at almost every single position on the team next year. Uh, with a few exceptions. You know, obviously, Jalen Carter, you don't replace a guy like that. We have some really good players. I'm excited to see what Bear Alexander can do. He had a really nice game, came on strong there against TCU, but he's not going to be Jalen Carter. So it's safe to say we're going to take a slight step back. We're not going to have the difference maker to the degree that we had Jalen Carter there on the defensive line next year. But we've got a lot of returning experience. You got Nas coming back, you got Bear coming back, Michael Williams, I think, is going to explode onto the scene next year. We saw what he could do really all year long. And, and I think he really started coming to his own even more more late in the season 
our starting inside linebackers are both back with Smile Mondin and Pop both coming back and it'll be a year more experience. I think we're going to have more depth and better quality depth at inside linebacker. Jalen Walker, we saw him really start to come on and assume a big role for this team as, as the season progressed. I love all three of our incoming inside linebackers with CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson who are already on campus. I love Troy Bowles coming in as well. You know, dad's an NFL coach. We're going to have so much talent at inside linebacker. We lose Keely Ringo, but we've recruited the defensive backfield as well as anybody in the country. We have a ton of really Really talented options there. I think Kamari Laster is going to be a big time player for us next year. Losing Chris Smith hurts, but you still got Malachi Starks. We've got a ton of options at safety. Javon Bullard's coming back. We've got Amarius Mims coming back at right tackle. Uh, Broderick will probably go pro. We got Ernest Green that's going to plug and play right there at left tackle. We'll see what Cedric Van Pran does. I think we're going to be potentially better at running back. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I, we're not, it's not going to be a drop-off there, right? I mean, Kendall Milton's coming back. Uh, Kenny's going to probably be gone. God bless him, man. I wish him the absolute best. Dejan will be back. We saw what Branson Robinson can do at times this year. Andrew Paul, who was making waves in fall camp, but he's going to be back next year, healthy coming off the ACL. I love Roderick Robinson coming in from California at the running back position. We're going to be so good at receiver with Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett coming in. You still got Lab McConkie. You still got A.D. Mitchell. You still got Arian Smith. We'll see what we lose the transfer portal with all those guys sticking around. Watch out. I mean, the only position I think we'll take a, we could potentially get a step back is probably quarterback. Um, we'll see though that, that that's not a necessarily a done deal. It, there's certainly a possibility that whoever that guy ends up being, whether it's Beck, who we know has the inside track right now, but could it be Brock Vandegrift? Could it be Gunnar Stockton? Again, I've heard a lot of really good things about throughout the season with him running the scout team. It's hard to imagine any of those three are going to be able to perform at the level that Stetson did for us this year and do the things that Stetson did and have control of the offense the way that Stetson did in, in their first year as a starter. So I think it's reasonable to expect at least a slight step, if not a, a decent step back at quarterback. But outside of that, and, and not having the game changer in the, uh, of the caliber of Jalen Carter, I'm not saying we don't have game changers on the defensive line, but not having a guy on the interior that's the caliber of Jalen Carter because those guys don't grow on trees. Like, what position are we not going to be better at? I mean, you've got Brock Bowers coming back. Yeah, we lose Darnell, and, and we'll have to we'll have to evolve and do some things differently. Like, without Darnell, we have great tight ends. So, I mean, we're, we're going to get, we're probably going to land the number one tight end in the country in Deuce Robinson, guys, out, out of Arizona. That guy is a freaking stud. You've already got Pierce Sperling. You've already got Lawson Lucky, who's here on campus. And then you uh, we've got Oscar Dub, who's going to be awesome. But those guys are just different than Darnell's, which we're going to have to change things up offensively. As long as Todd Bung is at the helm, one thing we can say about him is that he fits his system to his personnel, right? And he has the core things that he wants to do philosophically, but he is really good. He's a master at making things fit the personnel he has on hand. And I expect that to be no different next year. And I just, I believe up and down the roster, guys, like we were so inexperienced this year, right? A lot of talent was so young, so inexperienced at so many key positions. And those guys that were young, this is supposed to be a rebuilding year, right? Like this is the, I don't know if it's a transition year, but we weren't like really supposed to win the national title this year, not with all that we lost. Like who does that? Well, Georgia does that, but I think, I think we're going to be even better next year. Now, not having Stetson, that is the most important position on the field. Like that, that's the big question, but I truly believe that about like 85 to 90% of the positions on the field, we will be better next year. Now that doesn't guarantee you anything, but <clears throat> my voice is gleaming me. We'll finish it up on this. That is one hell of a starting point, right? But that's all I got for you guys. The voice is like officially almost gone here. So thank you for being with me, guys. I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for, for being here from Curtis, from Charlie, from myself. Thank you for being with us on this journey all year long. And just like Kirby said last year, 
We ain't going anywhere. This program is built to sustain. Also, this podcast on a much smaller note is not going anywhere. I don't know if we were built to sustain like our football program was, but you know we've been around since 2015, and we plan to keep this thing going and going and going as long as you guys will have it. So thank you for everything, guys. Uh, it means the world to us. We appreciate you. I'm Tyler, and man, as always, let's go. Go dogs. <laughs>